Howdy. What's going on? Welcome to the show. Ryan, if you can do me a favor and I think there's a mixed minus issue going on. There it goes. Yes, yes, that's all right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Tuesday. Pete Callender here, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at the Pete Callender Show, and you can also hit me up on Twitter and Getter. It's at Pete Callender, and uh, oh, I'm on Facebook and Locals. Yeah, I'm on all of them. And uh, I was listening earlier today to the morning show with uh, Bo and Beth and Zoki, and they were talking about social media and... Uh, yeah, like there's, there's there are so many platforms now, uh, Rumble and Parler or Parlay. And I mean, I, I was on Gab. I'm on MeWe. I'm on all of them. But I honestly, like I really devote my energy to talking with you and Twitter. So uh, you can follow me there. And of course, you can call 704-570-1110. So heads up, the mayor has no say over who is going to be in charge of her initiative that's a this is this really is a quintessential charlotte governance example like a perfect encapsulation of charlotte power dynamics it really is it's kind of hilarious in that i mean if not hilarious in that like we've got a person who is like accused of uh you know mismanaging tens of millions of dollars that's now being put in charge of, you know, tens of millions of dollars here. But, uh, and apparently everybody knew this. Uh, apparently that's what everybody, yeah, everybody knew this was the case. Um, and I had to do a double take when I heard, so, okay, so last night, it's a Monday, and so what is Pete doing on a Monday? That's right, Pete is hanging around watching the Charlotte City Council. Because I do it so you don't have to. You're welcome. Um, and uh, and also, I am a giver. So I'm sitting around watching the city council meeting, and the meeting begins with a... It's a strategy session, so it's more of a work session. And, oh, my God, they went till 10 o'clock last night. I was watching that through 10 o'clock. It was... Oh. Anyway, so the, the meeting starts, and I'm glad I was recording, because otherwise I would have missed this snippet that happened at the very, very beginning of it. I'd like to address the mayor. a current local media um, focus. Mm -hmm. The Charlotte Regional um, Alliance released a statement this afternoon mm -hmm. on this topic. I wanted to state clearly that I nor the Charlotte City Council or any council member had any role in the hiring of the Alliance staff. And the Alliance statement has been made, it's available to both the media and the public. And I would expect that the, any questions regarding that item should be referred to the Alliance for their comment. So I just wanted to make sure that everyone was aware because we've gotten some inquiries about that. Yeah, why did you get some inquiries about that? What is that? Notice what she does not describe, what she does not outline for the record, is what the heck is she talking about? I had to do a double take when I said, wait a minute. Because I didn't like she's talking about the the alliance, the Charlotte Regional Alliance and their staff and what and like what what is this about? What is there some sort I mean there's media folks she doesn't even say it's a story, it's a controversy, it's anything. Take a listen again. I like to address a current local media 
um, focus. A focus. The Charlotte Regional um, Alliance released a statement this afternoon on this topic. What topic? I wanted to state clearly that I nor the Charlotte City Council or any council member had any role in the hiring of the Alliance staff. Okay. And the Alliance statement has been made. It's available to both the media and the public. And I would expect that the, any questions regarding that item should be referred to the Alliance for their comment. So I just wanted to make sure that everyone was aware because we've gotten some inquiries about that. About what? About the racial equity initiative. And that was that then prompted me to say, wait a minute. Wasn't that the initiative that the mayor set up unbeknownst to all of the council members, but first got them to approve the tens of millions of dollars to fund the thing and then turned around, did a big announcement claiming it was her racial equity initiative? Well, this is awkward. Wow. So you uh, you went around council, you got the money. And then we're like, oh, I'm so sorry. There was a miscommunication. I mean, I invited you to the ribbon cutting. I had an extra pair of really large scissors for you to use, too, if you wanted them. I'm not telling you how to do this. So that racial equity initiative is what is now the focus of uh, or is the media focus, some local media focus. You know why? Yeah, because the person in charge of it comes to us from ohio not that that is okay not that that is reason to be suspicious although ohio no i'm kidding kimberly henderson that's her name and uh the charlotte regional business alliance which by the way i had to look these folks up because i was like what is this organization i knew the i remember the charlotte regional partnership ah they merged with the chamber back in 2018 Oh, now it makes sense. This is why I say this really is a perfect encapsulation of Charlotte Power Dynamics. There you got the mayor with no real authority, no real ability to budget stuff or anything like that. Doesn't even get a vote on this stuff, right? So the mayor has to, like, get the council to do something. But the business community is actually the ones running the operation, not the city. So when the hire gets made, then the mayor comes out and says, I got no power here. I have zero control. And then you got the council that's like, uh, uh, because they're all like terrified of taking on the mayor and the business community, so they don't want to do anything. And then you get the one lone Republican guy's like, somebody pay attention to this. Like, this is the perfect example of the power dynamics in Charlotte. It has been this way for a long time, by the way, right? This has been uh, standard. Look, we have a very weak mayor system in North Carolina. Charlotte is not unique in that, but it really does manifest itself in some pretty... Sad yet hilariously ironic sorts of ways. All right, so we've got uh, more on this story in a minute. First, more on the story about the roads. Well, for that, we turn to Boomer Von Cannon. Not sure. You got Ohio roots? Are you, are you ever in charge of running, like, multi-million dollar uh, programs that paid out way too much money for fraud? I somehow have avoided that. I don't know yeah. how, but somehow. <laughs> Me too. It's That's so a... weird. How do you avoid such a thing? It's Slip just... through the cracks, man. Yeah. <laughs> Diligence. <laughs> Mm-hmm. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Yeah, so the mayor has no input, no say, no control, no responsibility, nothing when it comes to the mayor's racial 
equity initiative, which is weird because it says it's hers. And she made the big announcement. She took all the credit. In fact, it kind of seemed like she was trying to cut other people out of the big announcement to get all of the credit. But no, 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 it's not her. It's the, she, she has no control over it. Please give her all the kudos for setting it up and for being the point person on it. But the buck stops someplace else if there are problems. And there are problems. Okay, so what are the problems? Let's go over to... Uh, this was... Oh, this was at the Charlotte Observer. But I thought... Oh, yes, there was the earlier story from BTV. That I will get to. Okay, so the Charlotte Observer... Uh, has this story. This was from yesterday. The Charlotte Regional Business Alliance is defending hiring a new leader for the mayor's racial equity initiative, who was the subject of a criminal inquiry in Ohio. Well, well, all right, well it, you know, innocent until proven guilty and all of that. Okay, so let's, let's find out some more details. And it looks pretty bad at first glance. It does kind of smack of some badness. Kimberly Henderson, Thursday, was named executive director of the CRBA's Employer Office of Inclusion and Advancement. It's a new top leadership position responsible for implementing the mayor's $250 million public-private racial equity effort, which was launched amid controversy that I will get to. During her tenure as director of the Ohio Department of Job and Family Services, the de- wait a minute, the Ohio Department of Job and Family Services. Well, maybe the job part of that. So the unemployment office is that what you were in charge of the unemployment office, and so I mean, I guess that qualifies you to be head of the Office of Inclusion and Advancement. I don't know. I would have thought it would have gone to like one of the. Yeah, you know, like uh, one of the critical race theory consultants that, you know, these corporations pay to come in, lecture white people that they're evil, and then, like, smear some blood over the doorway so the... Right, so they spare them on their way past. The mob is the, the mob is, is placated by the blood smear over the doorway. Anyway, the... Uh, apparently the job, Ohio Department of Job and Family Services, does train you for this post here uh, under the mayor's... Uh, racial equity initiative and the department came under scrutiny up in ohio for its handling of massive fraud in its unemployment program the program dealt with unemployment claims and payments which soared during the pandemic now look i will say this and this i'm not i am not rationalizing justifying or dismissing any concerns about fraud okay however I am sympathetic to the idea that nobody was prepared for the skyrocketing unemployment claims that all came in when government shut down everyone's jobs, right? I mean, they made that call. The governors and everybody, they made that call, and then they were completely caught unaware that everybody was now out of work after they were kicked out of work. So that was, and so I'm sympathetic to the strain that it placed on other departments. And there were good people trying to do good work, trying to get checks out the door uh, in a time when nobody knew what was going on and people were trying to figure out, uh, you know, how do we stop this uh, this brand new virus and all that. I get it. Now, I, 
I also am dishing out a little bit, just a wee bit. I am fluent in sarcasm, so I'm dishing a little of that out right now uh, because the, it, it, it always kind of made me laugh in a in a sad sort of way. It was one of those sad laughs kind of thing. Anyway, so it, made me, it has always made me laugh that people were completely surprised at the overwhelming of our unemployment system when the very people who were in charge of it, like in North Carolina, for example, you know, the governor shut that all down. And apparently the unemployment folks were not prepared for that because they didn't get any kind of a heads up. Hey, we should plan for like a massive wave of people getting laid off. But no, apparently not. But uh, whatever. The Charlotte Regional Business Alliance, which houses the new gig, did not immediately answer questions regarding her background. But on Monday, Janet Labar, the president and CEO of the CRBA, said this was considered during the hiring. So they knew about all of this. What is all of this? So she's in charge of the uh, was in charge of the Ohio Department of Job and Family Services. And a day after Henderson's new position in Charlotte was announced, WCNC reported uh, more details of controversy surrounding her time in Ohio, including several state audits that showed massive incorrect payments to people who fraudulently applied for unemployment benefits, as well as a request for a criminal inquiry into the handling of those fraudulent claims by her and other department staff. Henderson resigned from her role back in March of 2021. So almost a year ago, she had been on the job for two years. And a couple months after her resignation, the Ohio Attorney General asked two law enforcement agencies to open a criminal investigation over the department's handling of fraudulent and overpayments, according to a letter that was obtained by the Charlotte Observer. The Attorney General of Ohio, David Yost, he wrote to the police in Columbus, as well as the Ohio State Patrol, um, that the auditor's office, quote, did not have confidence in the financial information provided by the Department of Job and Family Services or its then-director, Kimberly Henderson. He asked the police to determine if there were any criminal violations by the director or any staff member. An audit was run in October. I'll tell you what uh, the result of that found. But there's no word on any outcome of the criminal investigations as uh, up to this point. So we st- that could still happen. Well, that would be a fun news day in Charlotte, don't you think? <laughs> news Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. Yes, I am going to get to the county commissioner update. Of, of course I am. Come on. Of course I am. So the uh, mayor, big announcement a couple of weeks back about the racial equity initiative, $250 million going to be used to make everybody not racist and uh, had to go around city council. Maybe they didn't know exactly what they were voting for, but whatever. They were on board. Well, the Democrats were, especially after the fact. You can't very well turn around and say, no, I'm against this now, particularly when the mayor's a part of your own party and it's got all the backing from the private sector and the, the chamber or sorry, the... Um, the RBA, the Charlotte, the CRBA, the Charlotte Regional Business Alliance, which was, uh, that was a merged entity now between the Chamber and the Charlotte Regional Partnership. Um, but they're apparently the ones in charge, even though it's called the Mayor's Initiative. I mean, maybe it's one of those things like, you know, you don't care who gets credit. And so they were just like, all right, Mayor, it's totally your idea. And they were like, just name it after her. But um, 
she doesn't have any control over this. And so when the city council meeting started last night, she issues this statement about how she doesn't have any control, nor does the Charlotte City Council. It's like, well, nobody really thought the Charlotte City Council was on the hook for this. It is the mayor's initiative. It's not the council's initiative, even though you had to kind of trick them to get all the money. Anyway, um, she says that uh, neither I nor the council had any role in the hiring of Alliance staff. This is because the Alliance hired a woman who comes out of Ohio, as if that's not bad enough. I'm just kidding. I really, I don't have any, I mean, aside from the fact that, like, Ohio drivers are the worst, except for Tennessee drivers, who are the worst, except, yes, except for Florida drivers, they're the worst. Although South Carolina, sometimes, anyway, uh, this woman, Kimberly Henderson, she's been put in charge. And while she was up in Ohio, she was in charge of the unemployment office, it sounds like, whatever they call the Job and Family Services Department. And she was the subject, uh, her department was the subject of audits. An audit in October 2021 found, it was just a little bit, fraudulent payments. Which, look, when you're, when you're pushing the helicopter money, you know, out the window, and so... So helicopter money is this is like in economic terms it's a very it's a very technical term it's like when you just throw money at people you essentially just fly overhead and just chuck a bunch of money out the the window out the door of the helicopter and just falls down on everybody that's the concept okay and that's what government was doing right after they shut us all down said you can't leave your house and um you can't work and nobody can make any money. And we're like, well, what are we going to do? How do we pay rent? And like, here, take some money, 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 money. And then it was like, well, we got to make sure there's no fraud. Like, you knew there was going to be fraud. Of course there was going to be fraud. You, know, you can't pass a trillion dollar bill and then pretend that there's not going to be fraud as you're dumping the helicopter money out, right? So, okay, so there was some fraud up in Ohio. How much fraud? Let's see here. Um, Great googly moogly, $475 million in fraudulent payments made to people who did not qualify, and then another $3.3 billion in overpayments. So just a little, okay, so a little bit of fraud, a little bit of overpayments, and then that prompted questions of whether or not this rose to the level of criminal activity, and the... Attorney General in Ohio uh, asked for a criminal investigation. We don't know what the results of that are, according. I'm just going by the Charlotte Observer story on this. We don't know. There's been no update on that. But the mayor had no idea because she's not involved at all with the hiring of her initiative. Okay? So just because she is in charge of something doesn't mean the buck stops at her. The, The stops with the with the uh, the CRBA, who put out a statement. The CRBA president and CEO, uh, Janet Labar, released the following statement saying, quote, I was aware that the Ohio Department of Job and Family Services, formerly led by Kim Henderson, was the subject of a now-completed audit and request for investigation dating back to May 2021. I factored this into con- uh, consideration, as well as her capabilities for the role of executive director, as Employer Office of Inclusion and Advancement. 
and I or in that office and I made the decision to hire her. The Employer Office of Inclusion and Advancement is one of four priorities comprising the mayor's racial equity initiative, the implementation and efficacy of which will be supervised by two oversight boards. There's tremendous work to be done for our community and we, re- and we are ready to get going. Okay. So Janet Labar obviously saying she knew about the audit that's now done, which found, let me see, just checking the notes here. Yeah, $475 million in fraudulent payments and $3.3 billion in overpayments, right? So she was aware of that. Okay, so, all right. Maybe, don't worry, though, we're going to have people watching her, which is always what you want to hear. Right. You want to you definitely. Right. No, that no, that puts me at ease. Don't you see? I feel way more confident now that you got somebody who like ran a department that had that kind of waste and fraud um, uh, running rampant that don't worry, though, we've got other people that are totally going to monitor her. That makes me confident in the way this is all going to be handled. Look. Like, almost all of this money is coming from the private sector. You guys do what you want with your money, okay? Uh, I I have noted uh, businesses that are in that list that I do business with that I might now need to move my business from because, like, I don't want my money being used for fraud and abuse but um, and waste. But, uh, you know, that's a decision down the road. But uh, this, like, I don't understand, like, you thought the juice was worth the squeeze on this? That's the question you got to ask yourself. As Timothy Oliphant, the philosopher, explained in the, uh, in the documentary, you always got to ask yourself, is the juice worth the squeeze? And I'm just not sensing that it was on this hire. And I do wonder if the, the potential arrest for some... I mean, this is a criminal investigation, right? If something like that goes down, I'm kind of curious. Like, was that factored in too? What's the, what's the other side of the ledger that makes the juice so worth it on the hire? Now, before you get in your car, you got to ask yourself, is the juice worth the squeeze? So one last point on the mayor's uh, racial equity initiative. Just to remind folks, recall, this is the initiative that had the bumpy rollout, that the mayor said that she had regrets about the way it was unveiled, about the rollout. As one councilman, as WBTV reports, one councilman said the public was misled and possibly even lied to. During the Charlotte City Council meeting, uh, this was back in, oh, I don't even know, a month ago, and uh, maybe two months ago, yeah, two months ago, yeah, it was before Christmas, um, Tark Bakari made allegations that City Manager Marcus Jones and Mayor Vi Lyles conspired on a vote for council to hurriedly approve federal COVID dollars in order to move forward with the mayor's racial equity initiative, which was then announced a week later. Remember, they were they were told at the retreat, they were in Greensboro for their retreat, and they were told, you got to get this money out the door. Hell, got their money! You got to get it out the door. You got to... Right, you got to make these allocations. Let's just do it. Just do it. Just do it. And so they they assigned this money, or they gave the vote, the green light for this uh, for this money. Bakari opposed it. Um, oh, so here it was in Winston Salem, October twenty sixth was the um, was the retreat, 
And uh, the council or the city manager, Marcus Jones, told council that the staff wanted them to vote then and there on approving a $60 million plan with funding from the American Rescue Plan Act, or as I like to call it, ARPA. The agenda made no mention of any motion or vote on the issue. The presentation did not get into specifics about how the money was going to get spent other than how much on specific city initiatives. And so council approved it a week later. The mayor then gathers with the private industry leaders to announce a new racial equity initiative, total value $250 million. Included in that plan is $10 million from the city in bridging the digital divide, which was just approved by council during the ARPA vote. And that's what hacked off Bakari and other council members. But the other members were in a bit of a jam on that because... Uh, they're all Democrats, except for Driggs and um, uh, Ed Driggs. He's a Republican. But all of the others are Democrats. And you don't want to go after your own fellow Democrat mayor too hard. Right. And when she's, you know, part of this initiative thing that I mean, let's face it, they're all in agreement on. Right. They all want to be associated with a racial equity initiative, too. Um, and you're part of this program that has brought together all of these big companies in Charlotte, these, you know, Fortune 500 companies and local titans and the the local business community. Like, this is who you want to be hooked up with. And, um, yeah, so the, the, the criticism on how it got done is not going to be, uh, it's not going to be echoing off of the skyscrapers, right? So, uh, so I get that. And then, so that's why it's left to Bakari and Driggs to make those arguments, which they did. Right, they made those arguments, and it's up to the media to shine a light on that stuff. Is that going to cost uh, the mayor a re-election bid or any council member a re-election bid? No. Oh, by the way, did you hear this? They're wanting to now do the uh, election overhaul. The city council is. Last night they got into some of that discussion too. Yeah, they were chatting about how let's go to uh, four-year terms. Look, I don't. So there are different. There are pros and cons. Just like with most things in life, there are pros and cons. There are trade-offs to different election systems, right? And uh, the system that we have right now is a hybrid system of uh, four at-large and seven districts plus the mayor. And so you get uh, you get the district representation, which I have uh, I have come to the opinion, and this has been you know I used to not even care about it or understand it really, but I've now come to the conclusion that districts are preferable because it actually helps in some small measure, not a lot, but it helps in some small measure. It helps train the uh, uh, elected officials focus on core services. And one of the, the biggest problems that I see at all levels of government and in business as well is, you know, often referred to as mission creep, right, or project creep, where you start off with one thing as your as your objective, and then you lose sight of what that objective is, particularly if it's an objective that is ongoing. Think, the, like the great example of this is uh, homelessness. I'm sorry, what are we calling it now? Houselessness? Is that the name for it? Anyway, that right there is a. I remember them passing the the WOP, the County Commission, back in the early two thousands. They call it the, the WOP, the WOP, the Wipe Out Poverty Plan. 
that was what they, yeah, they were going to wipe it out. And I'm like, this is a five-year plan? Like, you're kind of close to the whole, like, Soviet thing there with their five-year plans and new deals. But um, anyway, the, uh, the mission creep, the project creep, it's a huge problem. And so district representation makes you more responsive to those local concerns, which oftentimes are pretty pedestrian and no pun intended, but or mundane, right? They're just regular things. They're like, hey, we want speed bumps. Hey, you know, we want that pothole filled, like little things like that. But core services, things that the city government is supposed to be focused on. But when they start getting so big and you have people whose view is the whole city, they're looking to make these transformational changes and citywide things, whatever. And that's why you have the at-large seats. At least that's the cover story. The other reason you've got at-large seats is is a way to keep minorities off of elected bodies. That's the other benefit that seriously that they were set up to do. That's why they created at-large uh, membership. So this way, the majority got to keep the minority off of these governing bodies. And the minority can be whatever the minority is in any particular jurisdiction. In some places... It's a political minority, which, if you listen to the Supreme Court justices at uh, the state level in Raleigh, they're now suggesting that partisan ID is a protected class. And so, yeah, like, I'm thinking that the city council might need to do a new district representation model just to comply with the brand new guidance that was just deciphered, decoded by our... Uh, clerics at the North Carolina Supreme Court that were able to divine the meaning of words that did not previously exist that now say, aha, yes, partisan identity is a protected class and that needs to be protected in the uh, one person, one vote and fair elections, free elections, equal protection clause statute. See, it's all there. You just got to know how to read the words right. (laughs) 